Over the past, uh, I'd say about 11 weeks, we went through a series of messages on the, on the parables. And then um, I did a five-week series on the book of James, but on the last message of James, I kind of correlated it back to the parables with this one question. Do you remember what that question is? How important are lost souls to you? Well, today, the greatest day in history, the greatest day for the Christian, lost souls should be extremely important to us because they too get to share in the greatest day in history. Today we we celebrate what I believe is probably the most important day for a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate his resurrection. You know, on this day, there there are many ways that you can greet one another. And so what I did, the, the savvy computer person that I am, not. <laughs> I went to a Hallmark page and saw some of the different suggestions that they do for greetings on these on this day. So here's what Hallmark had to say. One of them simply said, Happy Easter and God bless. Which, I like the fact that, that Hallmark was willing to mention God in their greeting. But there were a lot of suggestions um, or a lot of things that, that seemed to not focus on Jesus and God and the resurrection, but on the, ti- on the time of the year um, that we celebrate so here's a couple of them that they said, and I didn't really care for these, but they were all right, I, I guess. It says, after the winter we've had, which I don't know about you guys, but I don't think we had a bad winter at all. I thought we had a pretty good winter. But this card said, after the winter we've had, I hope you're feeling as glad as I am to say hello to Easter and springtime. I am happy to say hello to Easter and springtime, but I don't think we had a bad winter. Or here's another one, wishing you sunshine, good times, and a very happy Easter. Ah, that one's okay. They even had this one, happy, hoppy Easter to you. <laughs> What's that song, hippity hoppity Easter on its way, you know? That's a, isn't that the Easter Bunny song? So, but, you know, it's short, sweet, but it absolutely misses the point. Now, to be fair, though, to be fair, they do include some religious greetings, such as this. Praying your Easter will be bright with the hope and the joy of our risen Savior. I like that one. That one was good. That was very nice. And then another one says, He is risen, hoping your Easter is happy and blessed. I like that one too. You know, Christians sometimes debate whether to say Happy Easter or Happy Resurrection Day. I'm going to tell you personally, I'm okay with either one. It doesn't matter to me. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus has risen from the dead. Amen? That's all that counts for me. But my all-time favorite greeting is this. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So what we're going to do this morning before I get along with my message, and, and, and I'm going to keep doing it until you get it right. Um, you, there better be some enthusiasm in there, folks, or we're going to keep doing it until you get it right there. So I'm going to say he is risen. You're going to say? Okay, well, we, at least we have one person out there that knows what it is here. So, Okay, so let me try it. He is risen? He is risen indeed. Okay, that was pretty good for the first time, but I think we could do better, don't you? 
Let's try this again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Woo! Why, why are you sitting there looking so sad? I mean, we, we should be happy. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Absolutely. So this morning, I want to begin our time together, and I want to read from the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to read um, the first 16 verses of this. It talks about his resurrection. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of, G- of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? I guess this stone must have been pretty big so that not just any person could, could roll that stone away. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Um, I think I would have probably been a little alarmed myself. You're thinking you're going in to um, take care of a dead body, and there's someone alive in the, in the tomb there. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, the Jesus of the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they, they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, They did not believe it. Can you believe that? They didn't even believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating and rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, now listen to this, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Wow. After Jesus rose from the dead, you notice that that he told what he, what he told his disciples to do. What did he tell his disciples to do? He told them to go into all the world and to preach the good news to all creation. So let me tell you something about that, folks. Two thousand years later, two thousand years later, we are still doing what he told us to do. That is exciting. You know, it's happening around the world as we speak right now. 
It's happening here at the Cornerstone Church of Christ this morning. It's happening all over Chambersburg, all over Pennsylvania, all over the United States, all over the world. Christ is being preached this morning. The good news. He is risen. risen That wasn't quite as good as the last one, but that was pretty good anyway. That's right. We are sharing the good news of Easter. We are sharing the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you three reasons why the message of Easter is such good news. First of all, Easter is good news because Jesus rose from the dead. Have you ever heard of such a thing? What would you do if, if all of a sudden a grandma that had passed away was standing in your living room? Would you be making a new wall through the door? <laughs> so I want you to just stop and think for a moment what an amazing thing this is. Just think of what an amazing thing. Our whole human history, our whole human history is one of death. Think about that. It's one of death. Every one of us here has a birth date, and every one of us here has a death date. I tell you what, the past six or seven weeks, that has just become so prevalent to me because... I've been involved with or been involved or going to at least six funerals. So it's very obvious. We all have a birth date. We all have a death date. Some will die young. Some will live longer. But the plain, but the plain pure fact is this. Everyone will die. And you know what? I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on that. I'm not. I'm really not. It's just, it's the way it's been since the beginning of time. The Bible tells us in, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, here's what God told Adam back in the Garden of Eden. He said, And the, and the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat. Notice that you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. You know, and as I was thinking about that scripture there, I wondered to myself, because death had never been before. And so I really wonder if they understood completely what it meant to die. I'm not quite sure if they did. But sure enough, God keeps his word. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating of the of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, people began to die. And you know what? It didn't take long because we see their son Abel, he was the first one to go. You know how he went? You remember how he went? He was murdered by his brother. He was murdered by his brother. His life was cut short before his time. But you know what? In a sense, we are all cut short before our time. God did not originally create us to die. Did you know that? Originally, we weren't created to die. That that wasn't what we were supposed to do. He created us to live. 
I'm alive. You know, he, he created us to live. That's what he wanted for us. To live and to love and to serve and to worship him. God is the giver of life. He created the world with light and air and vegetation and all sorts of creatures. And then he created men and women in his own image and he breathed his breath of life into us. You were created not to die. You were created to live. God created you to live and, and every, yet every single human being from the beginning of history has died. And if the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come back in our lifetime, then every single one of us in this building will, will eventually die. That's just the way it is. That's the way life goes. Now that's not, again, the way that God intentionally created them. You know, that's not what He wanted. And so when we read that Jesus rose from the dead, that's good news. It's the best news ever. Absolutely. It means that somebody finally did it. That's what it means. Somebody finally did it. Somebody finally beat death at its own game. Someone just stared death in the face, died, was buried, but rose again. Never to die again, folks. Never to die again. That's good news, isn't it? That is good news. In fact... That would be good news no matter who it was. It would. It would be good news if it were your Uncle Frank or your Aunt Mary. That would be good news. You know, it would be good news even if it was a stranger that you'd never met before. Because they had conquered death. It would be good news because up to this point, death had claimed every human being. And now, finally, someone who dies has risen again for good. The best news ever. You know, a missionary tells of a a story about this tribe that kept the dead bones of their ancestors in wooden boxes in their houses. How many of you have dead bodies in your house? Okay, I don't see one single hand going up there, right there. They kept them because they hope that perhaps someday one of their one of their relatives might come alive again that's why they kept him there but no one ever did you know sometimes they would even i can't imagine this i wouldn't do this i'm i'm too much of a scaredy cat they would go in and they would lift the lid and peek into the box just to see are they still there are they still there they're checking on those those dead bones of their ancestors. You know, me and, and the prankster that I am, I could see a nasty prank right here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would be the one that would want to get in that box to scare someone, but I could see a nasty prank there on that one. Anyway, they were filled with despair because they didn't know what happened when people died, their ancestors. Because no one had ever come back to tell them anything about that. So when the missionaries arrived and they shared with them about Jesus who had rose from the dead, he has risen from the dead, they were so overjoyed and this was good news for them. 
absolutely good news. Someone finally did it. Someone finally did it. Easter is good news, first of all, because Jesus rose from the dead. But you know what? I have better news for you. I have better news for you. The good news of Easter gets even better than that. Because the good news of Easter is not only that Jesus rose from the dead, but that He rose from the dead for you. That's what He did. We read about it in, um, about Jesus in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. This is what it says. It says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification, just as if. He was raised to life for our justification. You know, we often hear that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that is so true, and that we have all sinned against God, And Paul tells us, for the wages of sin is death, in in Romans 3.23 there, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, So Jesus paid the price for us by dying on the cross for our sins. That is an important part of the gospel, an important part of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the gospel, which means good news of Jesus is not complete if we only focus on the death of Jesus. If that's all we focus on, it's that's it, it doesn't stop there. The good news is not only that Jesus died for our sins, but that he was raised to life for our justification. That he was raised to life for our justification. Wow. So the question I have is this. What does that mean, you know, that that Jesus was raised to life for our justification? What does that mean? You know, I think it sounds pretty important, don't you? I, I, I think it is pretty important. Because, see, without justification, none of us would ever be saved. None of us. Justification means that through Jesus, God declares you righteous in his sight. That's what he does. He declares you righteous in his sight. Just as if you hadn't sinned. Justification. Just as if you hadn't sinned. It doesn't mean that you're never going to sin because we are all sinners. Saved by grace. But through Jesus, God gives you a righteousness that you never had on your own. Never would have had. Just as if. You know, just, just as if, you know, just as God took your sins and placed them on Jesus on that cross. Remember when he said it is finished? The, the sin of the world was placed upon his shoulders on that cross. And when Jesus died, when that, when the sin was placed upon him, God turned his back on Jesus because God could not look at that sin on that cross. And so he turned his back and Jesus died. It is finished, he said, and he died. Wow. That's tough. But see, Jesus died on that cross. And so God takes Jesus' righteousness and he places it on you when you put your faith and your hope and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as we will die, 
we will also be raised to life. Think about that. God gives you the righteousness of his own son, Jesus. That's what he does. He gives us that righteousness. That means when you approach God in worship, or you approach God in prayer, or you approach God in devotion, he accepts you the the same way that he accepts his son, Jesus. That's how important you are to him. You are forgiven for your sin, and you are made righteous in his sight. Notice what it says there. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us, if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when He looks at us, He doesn't look at sin anymore. He looks at the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Is that good news for you? It is to me. That's good news. It's the best news ever. Best news ever. And and it was only made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, remember what Paul said in Romans 4.25 there. He said, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. Just as if we hadn't sinned. So the next question, I guess, is how does Jesus' resurrection bring about our justification? How does it do that? Why wasn't Jesus' death on the cross enough? Why wasn't it enough? You know, one of the easy ways to answer this question is to ask another question. I'm going to ask this this morning. What if Jesus had not risen from the dead? Have you ever thought about that? What if Jesus had not risen from the dead? I have thought about that in the past. What if he had died on the cross for our sins, but he never came back to life again? What would that mean for us? What would that mean? Well, I think it would mean that the sacrifice Jesus offered for our sins on the cross was not accepted by God. Um, It would mean that when Jesus offered himself on the cross on our behalf, that it was not a perfect offering free from all blemish and sin. It would mean that Jesus was not perfectly righteous before God. And therefore, he could not share his perfect righteousness with us. That's what it would mean. But, the, the, that word's important, but, the fact is that Jesus rose from the dead, had many eyewitnesses counts, shows us that he was righteous. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life, a, a, a perfect righteousness, And then he offered up that perfect life as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's what he did. That's what he did. And because he did that, here's what Paul could say. These words are words of victory, folks. He says in verse 54, When the perishable has clothed itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortal, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Are you excited about that? I don't know. I'm questioning you. Let me share an example of that. Let's say I could write you a check this morning for $250. And you would probably be pretty excited about that, wouldn't you? That's that's a pretty good sum of money, $250. You would take that check to the bank and cash it. And, you know, maybe go out and buy you a milkshake or something to begin with. Or, how about this? I could write you a check for a million dollars. And you could take that check to the ATM and deposit it. And three days from now, guess what? <laughs> You're going to get a call <laughs> from the bank telling you that that check is no good. Because I don't have a million dollars in the bank. <laughs> and if that check is no good, you've got nothing but a bad check. Hmm. Well, on Good Friday, God wrote a check for the greatest amount in human history. That's what he did. The greatest amount in human history. He offered up his son on the cross as full payment for our sins, the sins of humanity. That's what he did. And three days later on Resurrection Sunday, which is today, that's why we're celebrating, that check cleared the bank. It cleared the bank, folks. It didn't bounce. There wasn't a a, a no saying insufficient funds. It cleared the bank. And that's what the resurrection is all about. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead shows that God accepted his sacrifice as perfect and righteous. And when you put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God takes the righteousness of Jesus and he gives it to you. That's what he does. So, so yes... It's good news that Jesus rose from the dead and it's even better news to know that he did it for you. Absolutely. It's good news that someone, anyone rose from the dead. It's it's even better news that it was Jesus who rose from the dead because only Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and offered that life up for you and for me. That's what he did for us. So the good news is that Jesus rose from the dead. The better news is that that Jesus rose from the dead for you and for me. But wait, there's something even better. The best news ever. The best news ever is this, is that you too can conquer death. You know, seeing those bodies laying in the caskets the past few weeks that I've had, I've been in um, uh, these different funerals, just really reminds me of this so much. The good news of Easter is also that Jesus shares his resurrection with you. He's not the only one who's going to resurrect from the dead. Because Jesus conquered death, you can conquer death too. Again, Jesus didn't rise from the dead simply to share his righteousness with you. Jesus rose from the dead so that you too could rise from the dead. That's what he did it for. Remember Paul's words of victory in 1 Corinthians 15 that we just read there. And that's the best news ever. That someday 
we get to rise from the dead unless he comes back in our lifetime and we don't have to experience that, then all of us are going to be changed. I'm never going to, I'm not going to have that belly anymore. And I, you know, and I might, I might be in a three piece suit for the, for eternity. Who knows? But I know that we will rise from the dead and we get to be with him forever. We read in, in Romans chapter six, one through seven, these words of Paul. This is what it says. He goes on there and he says, what shall we say then? What shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, he says, by no means. We, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. He goes on to say, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. It might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Wow. What magnificent words. I want you to pay special attention to verse 5. If you'll notice there in verse 5, he says, if we, have been ra- if we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Notice that word if. For if, that, that word if right there, at the beginning of verse 5, there is a condition presented in this verse. There's a condition there. If we have been united with him, that means if we have not been united with him in his death, then we will not be united with him in his resurrection. That's what it means. If you want to share in Christ's resurrection, you must first share in his death. It's a prerequisite for for being able to, to be born again. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we share in Christ's death that we might share in his resurrection? Well, I think God's word made it very clear. I just read it to you. I just read it to you. The scripture says you must die to yourself and turn to God in faith through repentance and baptism in Jesus Christ. In other words, we must confess that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. How many of you feel like you need a Savior? Every single day, multiple times. I mean, every every second of the day, I need a Savior. We need a Savior. That's what, you know, so I think he makes it very clear there that we need a Savior. But second of all, we, we must believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and rose again just like he said he would. We must turn away from our sins by experiencing our own death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul gives us a very clear picture of that in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 there. When we are baptized, we go under the water, we are buried with him. That is a, that is a symbolic thing of, of being buried with him in the, in the water. And then, and then after that, we come up out of the water and it is a symbol of resurrection, bursting out of the grave with new life and power given to us through Jesus Christ. That's what Paul tells us there in Romans chapter 6. That we no longer are bound 
by sin in the grave because we have burst forth out of that water, out of the watery graves of baptism. And it's a reminder that one day we will be raised from our physical graves to live with God forever in our resurrected and glorified bodies. Do you ever wonder what your resurrected, glorified body is going to look like? Anybody? Or I'm just the only one that's a knucklehead there. It, it's going to be magnificent. But we're going to still look like one another, and we're still going to understand and know who each other is. The good news is this. Jesus rose from the dead. The better news is that Jesus rose from the dead for you and for me. But the best news ever is that through Jesus, we too can conquer death. Death, the enemy death, is no longer our enemy because Jesus conquered it. So whether you are buried in the ground or your descendants keep your bones and ashes in a box on the mantle in the living room, you will rise again. You will rise again. One day, they will peek in that box and Bob Hart won't be in there. He won't be in there to scare the living daylights out of you. One day, they're going to peek in that box and all is going to be gone. All is going to be gone. Because when Jesus returns, he will raise the bodies of all those who have put their faith, their hope, their trust in him. And so we will be with the Lord and each other forever. Do you get what forever means? You know, the average person lives to be, what, 70 or 80? Um, my brother, my brother's wife's grandmother is 100. She just turned 100. 100 for us is like, wow, that, that's really old. You know that they used to live back in the, in the Bible days to be 800, 900, 700 years old? And we think that that's a long time. But even that is nothing compared to eternity, forever. Absolutely. And that's the good news of Easter. That's the good news. I want to close with this this morning. I want to share with you about a man whose name is William Sangster. William Sangster pastored a church in England in the 1940s and 50s. When he was 58 years old, he was diagnosed with an incurable disease that was causing his muscles to atrophy. When he first learned of the disease, he made the following four resolutions. This is what he said. He said, number one, I will never complain. Number two, I will keep my home bright. Number three, I'm going to count my blessings. And number four, I will try to turn it, anything bad, into something gained. That's what he said. For you see, over the next several years, his body became paralyzed. He lost muscle movement and was eventually left with no voice at all. No voice. And he could only move two fingers. That was it. Couldn't move anything else. He could only, he could only move two fingers. He continued to use those two fingers to write and communicate. And on Easter morning in 1960, the year before I was born, just a few weeks before his death, these are the words that he wrote. He said this. He said, how terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout. He is risen! Thank you. 
But far worse, he said this, is to have a voice and not even want to shout. Wow. Folks, we have the best news ever to share. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead for you and for me. And through, and, and through Jesus, we can conquer death too. That's the good news of Easter, and that's worth shouting about. Are you ready to shout? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That was really good, guys. Thank you. Let's do it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. This morning, as we close our time together, we offer the invitation as we do every Lord's Day. And if you need to come forward to give your life to the Lord, to be immersed in the watery graves of baptism, or to rededicate your life, or whatever it is that you need to do this morning, we offer that invitation to you to come this morning as we close our time together. Would you stand with me as we 